Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. With me is Bobby Walter, who serves as the Director of our Brooklyn work and our Regional Director in New York City. And today we have something really wonderful to talk to you about. Yes, shalom and welcome everyone. And today on The Chosen People, we are going to be taking a look at one of the most famous poems in all of Scripture, and that is Psalm 23. In the Hebrew it says, Bobby, as you probably well know at the beginning, the superscription of the psalm, which is that little notation above a psalm when you look in your English Bible. And it's translated in my English Bible, the Lord, the psalmist shepherd, but it reads like this, Mizmor le David Adonai Roi, the Lord is my shepherd, lo echsar, I shall not want. And those words are etched on our hearts and our souls really in the Jewish community and, of course, in the Christian community. And so Psalm 23 is an endearing psalm. It's something so many of us were raised with. And, uh, Bobby, we just actually wrapped up the high holiday season. We had the three great festivals, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, a Feast of Tabernacles. How'd that go in Brooklyn for you, Bobby? Oh, it was it was phenomenal, Mitch. Uh, we had just such a good time. First of all, the weather was great. Usually during Sukkot, especially, it rains, but this year it only rained once, and the the weather was just perfect. And our congregation met, and we had services for all the different holidays. Just very meaningful times, very meaningful times of worship and introspection and praise and uh, hearing God's word. And then, honestly, for me, the highlight of the high holiday season this year was on Rosh Hashanah, we had a chance to go down to the beach at uh, Coney Island here in Brooklyn, and we uh, had a baptism service for four Jewish believers from our congregation, all in different walks of life, but it was just such a powerful witness, honestly, to all the the Jewish beachgoers who were there that day. So it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are Russian speakers, yes, and I'm sure yeah. that they were astounded by it. Uh, I remember once when I baptized a new Russian Jewish believer with a Russian Baptist pastor, we were out in the Atlantic, and we put her down, and a wave came in, Bobby. And <laughs> when we went to bring her back up, she was gone. Oh, and no. <laughs> so we, we swam after her before she headed out towards England or France, but we got, we got oh, her back my. in. But I'm glad... Yeah. You know, it'd be really terrible to lose someone in a baptism, you know? Yeah. yeah. But how appropriate on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, to start the new year with something as fresh and as beautiful as a baptism. And so a whole bunch of Jewish people have discovered sort of a, a deeper meaning to Psalm 23, because it's one thing to say, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I need, I shall not want. He leads me, and so on. But you understand that David, of course, was a shepherd, but really the psalm also points to a greater shepherd, the one who said that he would even chase after the one sheep that was wayward (laughs) and leave the 99. (laughs) And so we know that Yeshua is the good shepherd, 
and he's the greatest shepherd. And when someone comes to know the Lord, Jew or Gentile, you have this new relationship with God as a shepherd. So the psalm is not just a nice thought or something pleasant to read to your children before they go to bed. Psalm mm-hmm. 23 describes the core and the heart of your relationship with God, particularly if you know Jesus as Messiah, wouldn't you say? Right, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's pretty significant that it's this imagery of God as the shepherd is not just isolated in Psalm 23. I mean, this is a theme that we find all throughout the Bible in the the Tanakh or the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. You know, there's prophetic pictures of God as the shepherd and even the Messiah as the shepherd. If you look at places like Zechariah 11, especially, so Zechariah chapters 9, 10, 11, there's this sort of uh, contrast that's being set up by the prophet between these false wayward shepherds in Israel who are misleading the nation, but then it's contrasted with the shepherd, the shepherd king that was going to come to uh, restore Israel and usher in this, this time of righteousness. And, you know, the, the shepherd imagery, uh, it almost softens the king imagery a little bit because it shows that there's a great deal of care and love from this Messiah King. He's not just this, you know, this wrathful King who's going to lead his army and destroy the enemies. No, he's coming to conquer, yes, but also he's coming as a shepherd to love and care for and nurture his people. I think it's really neat, of course, that David learned how to be a king by being a shepherd. Right, right. And so in the Bible, to be a good king meant that you really cared for your people. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's the heart of Psalm 23. He is the king, but at the same time, he's the shepherd who guides us, leads us, protects us, provides for us, all with love. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Then verse 4, of course, is striking. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and David knew what that was like when he was being chased by Saul from cave to cave. Mm-hmm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, symbols of royalty, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God always provides. And you know, being a Brooklyn boy, I, I can't tell you a lot about sheep and a lot about shepherds, uh, except that they smell when my daughters always wanted to pet them or get close to them at a zoo, and they were really nasty creatures in my, in my mind. And right. uh, we know that sheep are kind of dumb, and they follow one another, and if one decides to be a leader and walks off a cliff, everybody will follow. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it's a really great parallel to human beings, but it, but it is. I think it also reminds me of... Uh, the great passage, the great chapter in Isaiah chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone mm-hmm. astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid the iniquity of us all upon him. It's, it's a very meaningful chapter to me, especially in light of the conference that we recently had entitled 9-11 and the New Middle East. And we honored a lot of the great heroes of 9-11. We're going to hear from one of them today. So Psalm 23 was really critical, and we were celebrating the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, only a few days after 9-11, and I preached from Psalm 23. 
And that psalm just really spoke to hearts. And I think that some of the testimonies that you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks are going to speak to your hearts as well. And I, I believe that, that you will see how the Good Shepherd cared for his sheep through a, an incredible tragedy. And we need to remember that, that tragedy happens, but the Good Shepherd is always there to tend his sheep. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Three weeks ago, we held a special 9-11 conference here in New York City to pay tribute to those who had lost their lives on that fateful day 20 years ago. It was such a powerful and moving two-day presentation with guests and speakers from all over the country joining us. And right now, we'd like to share John Piccarello's story with you. That's right, Bobby. Uh, great speakers, Ann Graham Lotz, Joel Rosenberg, Mike Riddell, Nick Darrell Bach, and frontline uh, responders uh, who really sacrificed their physical health in order to make sure that a lot of us were able to survive and, and get past 9-11. It was, it was just a very moving conference, but I think that John's testimony is going to be one of the most powerful, a firefighter who risked his life to save others. Student asked me, do you have anger toward the terrorist? Thought about it, and I said, probably in the beginning, yeah. But then afterwards, no. And it's not because, you know, that I was so good as a Christian that I could just forgive like that. I realized that I do have the grace to forgive, but it was why do I want to carry that with me for the rest of my life? So th that was the main reason. I just have to let that go because that's going to become a source of stress and ultimately anxiety. Doesn't mean I didn't want to see him come to justice or anything like that, but I realized that was something that would help me and help the people that I needed to help. My name is John Piccarello, retired New York City firefighter, and at that time was also the senior pastor of House on the Rock Christian Fellowship located on Staten Island. On 9-11, I was assigned to the 4 Battalion in the Sunset Park section of Brooklyn, so it must have been around a little after 8 when that alarm came in and we responded uh, into Manhattan. And going down 4th Avenue, I took a look. Every once in a while, you'd see a plume of smoke coming up from the North Tower. So we're doing size up right away. And I'm thinking, all right, that's got to be about the 70th floor, 80th floor. And so the chief says, you know what? Put on the radio and see if we can catch a reporter. So sure enough, he does. And uh, they were just flagging down people who were fleeing and asking him, you know, what did you see? As he's talking, we hear, we hear a sound. And then we hear the reporter say, oh my God, the South Tower is just hit by another plane. And we looked at each other and we said the same word at the same time, the chief and I, we said, terrorist. This is terrorism. So we start to make our way through the walkway which led from the lobby of the hotel into the North Tower lobby. And suddenly the whole lobby, and we're in the hotel now, just started vibrating. Now, I was never in an earthquake, but I imagine this is what it's got to feel like. And so we just started to run for cover and just look for a wall or a pillar. And I remember I took maybe four steps to the right and everything just came crashing down around us. And in a second, on the floor, and then it was just dead silence. And it was maybe about 15 or so people with us. At that point, we decided to break up into two groups. One would look for a way out because you couldn't get into the the lobby of the North Tower, that was all caved in. 
and it was nothing but steel, concrete, just from floor to ceiling. One end to the other, so you couldn't go back, so we're basically trapped. I stayed with the second group because we heard a, a cry for help from inside. It looked like a wall, but actually it was debris. We just started pulling debris out and just started a change to get it out of there. And we were able to uncover two guys, I think they were lieutenants. And we just started walking and we felt the breeze. There was another door just beyond that, forced that, and you could see the, you know, the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel, but that was it. You could see light at the end of the tunnel and it opened out into West Street. So uh, I turned around to Larry Stack and I said, I'll stay with you guys as you can. He's calling you. And so I turned around and looked, he's the chief of the department. He said, you gotta go. So I turned right. Now at this point, I had no idea. You had two minutes left and that North Tower was coming down. And so I started walking. I got under the North Bridge and I just stopped and looked over my shoulder at the, the North Tower and just looked up at it. Is this gonna fall off the building? It'll be like a 30-story javelin coming down. While I was looking at that, North Tower, let's go where I felt like something pulled me. And the thought says, you know, this, this is not a dream, we gotta run. And I heard that from all the first responders, the same thing happened. So I just took off, I started running, got across Vessi. Um, the corner of my eye, things were getting darker, and I looked, there was a truck there. It looked like somebody just pulled in and just took off. And as that's my only hope, I, I can't run anymore. So I dove behind the truck, and this stuff blew past like a hurricane. I mean, that truck was moving, I heard things flying and breaking and so on and so forth. The sound was incredible, it was like a hurricane. And I'm just waiting, and then just in a few seconds, it was again that same silence, this eerie, deathly silence. They said it took four minutes to, to lift. I don't know, for me, it seemed like forever. And when it lifted, the eerie thing was the muffled sound, like after a blizzard. And the North Bridge that I had just took a, a, a break under was just crushed down to the ground. And I stood there, I would say, probably about two or three minutes, just taking this in, just looking from left all the way to the right, panning it. Far as your eye can see is debris. These giant steel girders just mangled, piled up. And I'm just wondering, man, I don't know how we're gonna get a handle on this. And I, I just looked for somebody I could help and uh, just got in, there was a group of guys and just got them, we're just helping them, just look for people. So in the following weeks uh, after 9-11, you start to get the tally of uh, the casualties and, and so on. And in the end, uh, I lost uh, 24 friends on the fire department. One of them was a lieutenant, Phil Petty, who I grew up with, went to grammar school together, did the Boy Scouts together and so on. That hit home because I found out later that he was in the Marriott where we got trapped. What he was doing was he ran back up. He had his uh, company go out. He told the guys they had to get out and he was answering a call for help and he went back up and he got caught in the collapse of the North Tower. My wife and I both became acquainted with the uh, post-trauma. So what helped me was that in the coming weeks, you'd have the recurring dreams. And sometimes I'd be in the kitchen in the morning and having a coffee and a truck would pass by and the vibrations, you know, instantly emotionally be back at ground zero. And then also being asked to speak, I traveled around the country for two years after that. And uh, having to field questions. And really the questions forced me to really examine myself. How do I feel about that? What were my thoughts about that? And doing that for two years, I find out afterwards, looking back, that was the therapy. When I dove behind that truck, I talked to God from the 23rd Psalm. 
That's the God you promised would walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's the Lord you promised that I won't fear any evil and I don't fear evil and that's you promise. And it was of course I thought I was gonna survive and went back to help people. I just, just had a calm that I was gonna be all right. With that, there was that faith. And I guess at the same time, I was praying for uh, just families. Cause you can hear the roll call sometimes. There'd be roll call of people they found. And if he doesn't redirect me, when I came out of the building, because I was going to go left. And I found out later, anybody who went left didn't survive the second collapse. I had to see the hand of God. I don't know the why, that I just knew. I was able to talk to a number of members of my company. They would come uh, at night, sort of like a, a Nicodemus kind of thing. I remember one guy, I was in the back room downstairs, and he, he asked me point blank. He says, you think God will forgive somebody like me? He looked at me and I wasn't ready for this. He says, I'm afraid to die. That opened the door wide open. I just shared the gospel. I mean, look, he didn't believe me at first. that God loves me. And I says, he loves you. He loves everybody. I said, he may not condone what you're doing, but he's crazy about you. Could you get me a Bible? I said, I can get you a Bible. He's not the first one who asked that. I'm going to leave my locker unlocked. And he says, put a Bible in there and then lock it. He came to Christ. And there was many things, many cases like that, where I talked to them. And in fact, one thing that stood out is from 9-11 on to the rest of the time I was in that company, they asked me to ask the blessing over the meal when we ate. So a lot of good came out of it. It's good to consider what God did through the conference. One of the joys was having uh, Marty and Misha Getz, his daughter, lead in worship. And Marty presented a new song called We Will Never Forget that reflected upon 9-11. It's so powerful. So enjoy it. Twenty years ago Twenty years ago Planes of terror Brought down our gleaming towers Twenty years ago People covered in dust and ash City smothered in smoke Twenty years ago And to this day We know We will never forget We will always remember Just where we were When it all changed forever we will never forget that day in September, watching in fear through those desperate hours, that beautiful morning, moments before we knew the world. We know no more, we can never forget. Never forget The dust has cleared The dawn has broken Raging fires gone at last From the ash Hope has risen Clothed with steel and glass a symbol for our children of liberty 
generation Look up and say what we say ones near, for we're not here forever, we will never forget, every year in September, freedom is dear, we must cherish it ever, so we have come to this solemn day, our hearts as one, we gather to say, we will never forget. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. You know, Mitch, the Lord could have compared us with any other creature on earth, and it probably would have sounded a bit more flattering than being compared to a sheep. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been as accurate, Bobby. Right. <laughs> it would have been more flattering. Uh, but we are willful, stubborn, sometimes not too bright, and sometimes very smelly and dirty animals. And I know we don't like to think of ourselves that way, uh, but we're so needy. We act so strong, but yet in our souls, we know that we need help. And that's why the psalm appeals so much to people. God is always with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's providing for us. And as Paul said in Philippians, that he wants for nothing. He's content in all things. And that's exactly what the psalm means. And that's what John discovered. And that's what others who are going to share their testimonies discovered as well that in the most difficult and the hardest of times, they found that the Lord was a faithful shepherd. He always wants to have this relationship with us. He wants to heal us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to be the source of our comfort and hope. He's with us in the good times and the bad. And as much as I don't even like to say it, the Lord shines the brightest when we're facing the darkness of suffering. And I think that during these difficult days that we're living in, I think it's very important to remind everybody that if you know Jesus the Messiah, you know the Good Shepherd, and he'll always, always take care of you. Thank you for listening today. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And if you missed any portion of today's message, or if you'd like to share this program with a friend, just visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And while you're online, be sure to request your copy of our free newsletter booklet. It's yours just for letting us know that you're listening. And once again, you'll find this unique and engaging resource online at chosenpeople.com radio. 
And now to close with the ironic benediction, here's Marty Getz and Mitch Glazer. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er panavelecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha Shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom, v'yasem l'cha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.